Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And we also have yet to win in regulation since January. Is that true? I don't know. If there's a bad saber stat, it's probably true. Yeah. That's how it's going this season. So guess what we're going to do, Frank? We're going to not talk about the sabers. Okay. Right away. We're not going to be angry. We're going to talk about... Yes. We're going to talk about the Bills. Because that is clearly the more pleasant thing in life. And we can't do it alone. Because it's always nice to have friends, Frank, is it not? I love friends. Friends are good. Mm-hmm. Matt Perino, are friends good or are they just subpar? Listen, I'm a big proponent of friends in life. Matt you know, Perino. I have a five-year-old son, <laughs> and I tell him that all the time. Go make friends. Matt Perino, New York Upstate and proponent of friends, and we're going to talk some bills now. As uh, First off, we just need something, literally anything, to you know divert us from the awful season that has become for the Sabres. And second of all, though, Matt, you also were traveling around and checking out UB. As the as the college basketball season was coming to a close, yeah, I was going to say we just lost uh, you know the big diversion uh, of, the, of the last month, and it ended with a a nice big stud when Nate Oates took his talents to uh, Tuscaloosa. Um, but yeah, it was quite quite a run. Obviously, I've I've been around the UB, uh, athletics program for over a decade, and I I'd, I'd never seen anything involved in in that uh, any program there reach the heights that this basketball team this year this did this year so it was fun i know things aren't going well for the sabers but things are trending up for for the bills yeah i mean you you ready for a a weird stat matt ready if the sabers lose out these final three games the ub men's team will have more wins for the entire year the entire calendar year of 2018 to 2019 than the buffalo sabers they have 32 wins the sabers have 31 Wow, that's that's troubling because you know I'm not wow. I'm not a huge Sabers guy. Like I don't I I went to one game. I I probably watched maybe one game on TV. It's not really I'm busy with other things. But in the in the height of that run there, it just seemed different. Like the feeling from the professionals, the media, the fans. It just seemed like everything was trending in the right direction. And man, have the wheels fallen off? Yeah, the wheels have fallen off for sure. And again, UB would have could possibly have more wins than the Sabres in literally half the games. So yeah, there, there's, that, there's that fun fact to chew on. So let's go ahead and spit that out, and let's talk about the Bills here. I mean, the owners' meeting was just this weekend, I mean, this past week, and uh, everything of the sort there, and not to mention the draft is coming. We're almost there, and we're in the month of April. We've done it. We're here. We're in draft month. We're in draft month. So, Matt, with the Bills and all the free agent signings and everything like that, what have, your, what have been your early impressions of the team and their approach to this offseason? 
Well, I mean, I guess like they they hit a bunch of boxes that I I guarantee you that if, if if they would have been completely transparent going into this thing, which at times Brandon has been very transparent, um, they wanted to hit, and you know they went out and they got their franchise center, which I maintain going into free agency in the off season that I felt like that was their biggest area of need because you look at the drop off of you know not only the passing game at times but the run game particularly this this season with the loss of Eric Wood, you saw that the combination of Russell Bodine and Ryan Groy, you saw such a, a dip in production, and I think that it really starts uh, there. I, I'm a big Richie Incognito fan as well and what he was able to do, and I think that there was a big loss there. But Eric Wood, uh, you know, a guy that had been like a stronghold on that line for years and years, and you saw how it dropped off. They went out and got Mitch Morris. Now, funny thing about that or ironic thing about that is he is not really known for his run blocking. He's more known for his ability to protect uh, in the passing game, which you know I also think is important. I mean, you got a guy in Josh Allen who um, it, likes to run, is going to need somebody steady in front of him, uh, a veteran presence. And it seems like this Mitch Morris guy, I don't know a ton about him from what I've uh, learned about him in this process, is that he really wants to assume that leadership role. He really wants to grow with Josh Allen. He's bringing – what he learned in that Kansas City offense last year with, uh, in front of Patrick Mahomes with him to Buffalo. So I think that that was important. They went out and they got the two receivers in Cole Beasley and John Brown, which I think was important because it takes that need away to go huge at receiver early because I don't think as much as there's this infatuation with D.K. Metcalf because of the you know physical traits, I don't necessarily think after looking into you know, a, a deep dive into what he would bring to the table, I don't know if he's really ready to be that uh, number one receiver where you're, you know, you're expecting 100 catches and double-digit touchdowns. I don't think you're getting that in him in year one. So I think that, you know, if this takes that off the table, you would think the Bills are bringing uh, Metcalf in to meet with him. Uh, the upside is obviously very high there. But, you know, I think the more and more as we get towards the draft here, it, it seems more and more likely that you could see them go defensive side of the ball uh, at nine if they stay there. And, and, and that's very interesting. I've seen – a few people report, you know, or uh, pontificate that they could obviously see a trade back. Some have even said maybe a trade up uh, to try to get one of those uh, game-changing defensive players. So very interesting time. A lot of possibilities in the next few weeks are going to be very exciting. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen that Brandon Bean doesn't necessarily respect uh, staying static in one spot in the draft. He's he's not Dave Gettleman, for, for instance. He's a guy that if he sees a player that he likes, he's going to move up. He's going to move around and manipulate a board the way he sees fit. And that's something that I seem to like about this guy so far through his drafting is that, you know, the Bills have moved up to get players that they like. The Bills have not necessarily just sat back and said, we'll wait for the guys to come to us. No, they sometimes like to go get them. And you see there's a couple of pass rushers in particular, Matt, that uh, I feel the Bills could be fond of especially one with the namesake of their franchise quarterback, Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, it, I think a lot of options open up as this draft plays out. I mean, if Kyler goes number one, that really makes things very interesting from two to five. And what are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to do? They're, they're, they're uh, rumored to be very interested in uh, the, the linebacker, Devin White. So I think that, you know, if you get to that, draft day and all of a sudden that six pit comes along which is the Giants who you know obviously have been in and out on Dwayne Haskins I think that you know if he goes there and somehow even then 
get one of those guys to seven, like a Josh Allen or a Quinn and Williams. Um, it makes things very interesting. But I, they definitely do need to improve their pass rush. I, I, I think that you know when you have just the one guy that's consistently bringing the pressure, like a Jerry Hughes, uh, it's tough to really see those sack numbers, uh, you know, reach the levels that you're hoping to attain. And even on the interior, because of the way that Sean McDermott runs his defense, I didn't think that there was any consistent uh, affecting the quarterback from up the middle last season. And, you know, Ed Oliver is a guy that, you know, for all the the knocks on him and the question marks, I mean, that's something that people say that he is going to be able to do from wherever he lines up, and that is get after the quarterback, cause chaos, cause disruption. And I think that that's what this, this, this unit led by Sean McDermott, who has always kind of had that or found that in his defenses, he wants to be able to do. So, you know, I, nothing would be off, off the table, I don't think. But I've also listened to a lot this, this last six months to Brandon Bean talk about being judicious and valuing assets, like valuing the draft assets. And, you know, I think he went a little bit crazy last year and moving up to get Allen and then again to get Tremaine Edmonds. And I think he wants to be a little bit more judicious and build this thing through the draft. I mean, they've hit on a couple real big home runs so far in Matt Milano two years ago, Taron Johnson last year. And I think that they want to continue to kind of uh, try to take shots in those middle rounds and, and build up that draft uh, capital. Uh, so, it, like you said, though, so many things can happen. I'm very interested to see what does. I'm also thinking, too, Matt, uh, they still have a need at tight end with – uh, Logan Thomas be, with Logan Thomas being cut and obviously Charles Clay being cut. So at not at nine, I'm also thinking they might go tight end because it's be, it's a very deep class this year and they they're in a position where they could get one of the top top uh, the best out of the bunch really. Do you think that's still a possibility? I definitely think it's a possibility um from from being able to, you know, kind of see TJ Hawkinson deal with the you know, the media scrum at the at the Combine and just kind of like zeroing in on the kinds of things he was talking about. He really did strike me as a as a McDermott being kind of guy. Um, so I think that, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they maybe reached a little bit at nine. I know there's been mock drafts that have had him top ten, but that is really high for a tight end, as much as you like him. And, you know, as we go through this process, I mean, I remember two months ago when I really started, or three months ago actually now, when I really started to dive into this, it was Noah Fant who was the home run can't miss top 15 tight end prospect. And, you know, there wasn't a ton of buzz around Hawkinson. And then as the season progressed and, you know, his numbers looked a little bit better, uh, it seems like, you know, people have been kind of more on that, on, on him than on Fant. And then you got the Irv Smith connection, Alabama connection to Brian Dable, which I think is always should be considered because of the success that they had with Robert Foster last year. Um, but I think that, you know, if, if they are going to go tight end early, which I don't have a problem with because I think Josh Allen's a, a type of quarterback that could use a very uh, a high-end, steady option at, at tight end, um, I would trade back, stay in the first round, and see if you can't get one of those three there and, and then add picks just to, to, to make the value a little bit better. But, again, I, if they go with Hawkinson and nine and he turns out to be what people are expecting him to be or Fant, whichever way they go, uh, I it's hard to argue with. It's an important position. So, Matt, basically here with the draft, there's really only one question to all of this, and it's this. Is there really a bad pick that the Bills can have in the first round outside of, like, taking a quarterback for no reason? I mean, 
like I said, I, I, I'd be really, really hesitant uh, it, to draft DK Metcalf or any of these receivers in the top ten of this draft. I mean, especially when you know you're talking about the value being so high on some of these, you know, impact players on defense. You know, uh, Jawan Taylor uh, is pretty much kind of rising to be the top um, offensive lineman in the draft. Uh, you got Jonah Williams, obviously, still there, and those are. Definitely interesting possibilities uh, if, if you do have them graded out as the type of guy that can come in right away and start and be an impact player on your offensive line. But, you know, at receiver, I just think there's there's too many question marks with with Metcalf and, you know, Marquise Brown. Obviously, his stock has fallen quite a bit. But you remember, you know, at the end of the season, as draft season or like mock draft season was really ramping up, he was going in the top 15 of a lot of drafts, and you know a lot of guys had him as the number one receiver on their big board. Uh, I think the injury has kind of set him back a little bit um, with the Liz Frank, which is pretty serious and can linger. But I, I just I would stay away from uh, wide receiver at that spot unless you know you're getting a Julio Jones, an AJ Green, an Odell Beckham, a guy that you know you could pencil in for the next six or seven years as your wide receiver number one, no questions asked. And I don't necessarily think. Metcalf is that, so I would stay away from that. All right. Well, I mean, That's I'll fair, yeah. I'll admit I'm guilty. I like DK Metcalf. I seem to love the game that he can bring, and I'd be excited if that if that were to be the pick. But uh, but hey, you know, I'll I'll, ta- I'll take that for what it is because I mean, there's still so many options though for the Bills that I can't be mad. For example, if they don't take a receiver there, if they don't take Metcalf there, and you know, as a big proponent of them, it's okay. Because, like you said, the talent on the defense, especially on the defensive line where the Bills still have the legitimate holes, that's probably one of the better directions they can go in. Yeah, and I think that there's, you know, listen, there's a lot of upside there. I want to make sure that I'm clear on that. I think that there is something that, you know, if you're drafting Metcalf there and you have to figure that Bean, you know, has looked into things, he likes what he can potentially bring, and, you know, the fact that he did put up some numbers while he was healthy last year. I just think that, you know, the route running concerns and, like, uh, you know, some I've read some stuff that, you know, A.J. Brown might be the might end up being the better receiver long term. I just think that that spot, I just think you're talking about a different level of receiver if you're going to jump at number nine. But, you know, they could end up with a Christian Wilkins, his defensive tackle out of Clemson who ended up going back for his senior year because uh, scouts told him that he w- had a second-round draft grade. And now he came back, and he had a pretty good year, and he, he kind of fills those McDermott Bean boxes as a team-first guy and uh, a great player. But is he that game-changer that you know you want to take in the top ten? Um, I don't think he's at Oliver. I don't think he's Quinn and Williams. So that could be maybe a little bit of a disappointment as well if they go for nine, but Listen, I'm I'm just the guy that writes about it. Brandon Bean's the guy that gets paid to do it, and he's hit on some, some draft picks so far, and there's so much potential in Edmonds and Allen. Uh, it, it, you just want to see where they go next and, and see how, how it plays out. Matt Perino, New York Upstate, joining us here on the Leftovers Podcast. Uh, Matt, the owners' meetings have come and gone, and one the biggest object from that was the, uh, the review of – Pass interference, calls or non-calls. What's your take on that? Um, you know, it's tough, right? Because you don't want to take everything up. Uh, you don't want to stop the game for every little thing. 
Uh, I get the the perspective uh, from a lot of people that you don't want bad calls affecting, especially those big moments like that. So I think that I'm of the belief that do everything you can, try everything you can to see if you can't take that stuff out of the equation. I'm a big fan of the, you know, the sky judge personally. Like I watched a few of those, uh, uh, AAF games and I thought they were pretty cool. Like, uh, I think that that could maybe have an impact where it's happening in real time and you would see maybe some of those calls be impacted a little bit more as opposed to just always putting it in the coach's hands to challenge. And then the, 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 umpire on the field going under the under the hood and figuring that all out but i don't know if there's necessarily a perfect uh solution you just hope that you know these things get tested out you figure out if they work or they don't work and you continue to try to work on it i think it it can also set a dangerous precedent too because this is obviously the reaction to the saints rams game from the nfc championship which yes they it should have been pass interference but it just wasn't called now what if you have another championship game or even in the Super Bowl or just at any point in the in the playoffs next next year where a non-call happened and it ended up costing the team that didn't get the call the game and then you're going to have this again ne- next offseason. For sure, for sure. And it's you get into these kind of gray areas uh of of the game and it's it's never going to be a, a solution that fits you know, for everybody involved. And there's going to be people that, you know, there's, there's people that's already probably sitting there thinking that we're, that the game reviews too many calls. Uh, so, you know, trust me, I get, I get what you're saying, but I do like the pursuit of improving the game. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both talked about that being the kind of stance of the, the Bills organization too. They, they're, they're up for whatever's going to, you know, eliminate these kinds of situations because, you know, who knows what would have happened. It's very likely that, you know, the Saints end up going to the Super Bowl. But you don't even want that question as a league. You don't even want that in in the media. You don't want that impacting your brand. And this is a step towards maybe fixing it. If it doesn't work, maybe reevaluate next year. I think the good thing, though, about it is they're going to at least – they're going to do it for next year. And then in 2020, they'll decide if they're going to keep it moving forward or abolish it altogether. For sure, for sure. That's what that's what, that was my point. I mean, it's not a, you know, they're doing things to kind of figure out if it's going to work long term. Give it a give it a sixteen game, twenty game trial, and then come back and reevaluate. Matt, anything else that you can uh, you can take away from this team so far in the off season? Um, yeah, I just think that um, I know it's a cliche, and it's something that Sean McDermott has been preaching his entire you know tenure here but they really have gone out and figured out a way to bring in enough guys to push forward that culture that they're trying to set in is that every position is going to be there's going to be a competition in every position they want people coming in here to push each other you know you know they're they're, they're throwing a bunch of darts at the wall i mean john feliciano ty and seke uh adrian Wano, i mean a lot of like you know guys that you know may not have had the most success uh, over the course of their careers, but people that can come in here and are hoping for another shot, a, a chance to to play. They, you, you look at those two in particular, Inseki and Feliciano, they were just buried behind you know Pro Bowl caliber talent uh, at their former stops. So you 
that's something interesting that I like because they're going to come in here and they're just going to fight their tails off to try to get another chance to start in this league, and that's what you want. And even if you go out and you get you know, a top-tier offensive lineman in the draft and, and you want them to come in here and start right away, well, they might be able to get better by being pushed by some of these guys that they've brought in. I think that you, know, you have to be happy with what um, Brandon B. and Sean McDermott have, have done. I'm actually putting up a story right now on the site about McDermott and you know how I think this is the the toughest coaching season, uh, the job that he has laying in front of him in 2019 that he's had his entire time in Buffalo, only because and you, you probably sit there and say that's crazy because you know there's a there's a huge you know uh, jump in talent overall on this roster, but you know. There, with expectations comes more difficulty, and it, it, the more people you're infusing into the situation, the tougher the job becomes, you know, to get the most out of the team. So I, it's good things. Everything's trending up, like we talked about at the beginning. Um, but I think there's a lot to watch in this season beyond just, um, you know, Josh Allen and, you know, certain things like that. Um, I think there's a lot to watch in terms of Sean McDermott, what he does with this new group. Matt, uh, just real quick on that. You, you mentioned expectation. Like with expectations comes a little more pressure on that. What do you think the expectations are, they, what they should be for this team? I mean, I think Vegas unleashed a line of six for the yeah. win total on the season. What do you think uh, it should be around for this Bills team this year? I mean, honestly, anything under 500, in my opinion, is, is a is a major disappointment. You you have a group now that has been completely revamped. You know, all these guys are Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott guys. They've been able to rebuild this roster. They found their quarterback. You know, the 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 Cam Newton prototype that you know that they wanted to put in place here after their their years in Carolina, and they have him going into year two. Um, and all these now weapons around him, and oh, by the way, still the number two ranked defense in the NFL, minus Kyle Williams. Uh, you, you, you look to see what they'll add there still in the draft and elsewhere. But I put it, we put out a, a pre-NFL draft uh, predictions story. Uh, I, I had him win in 10 games. Uh, I, th- I see a path to that. I think anything less than eight games um, is a disappointment, and I think that if they're not, challenging for a playoff spot in 2019, I think it would be a, a major disappointment because for all the positives you want to say about Allen, all the negatives, you know, I think that he showed last season that he, he can do enough to help win you games. And so if you have that at quarterback and you have all these other pieces now and this defense, you, you got to push for the spot. Matt, tell the kind folks where they can find your work. NewYorkUpstate.com, NYUp for short. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt Perino. Also my uh, tag team partner always putting out good work uh, at Ryan Talbot Bills. And uh, we'll have you covered all the way through the draft season and we head to mini, mini camps and training camp. Matt, it's going to be a fun month here as the draft gets closer and closer. It will be. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Thanks for coming on with us, Thank Matt. You. That was Matt Perino of New York Upstate with us here on the West Her Hotline and on the Leftovers Podcast. Frank, the Bills, the Bills could do something. Yeah. And I'm kind of excited for that. I think we all are. Like, I think, I think Matt hit, the, hit, it right, hit the nail right on the coffin. 
Anything less than eight wins is a major disappointment. And would bring season. more misery. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like. Should we take, just should we rip the I bandit? Mean, well, okay, we're not ripping the bandit off. Ro- it seems. Not yet, at least. They could. The Bills could go nine and seven and miss the playoffs, and I don't think we would be upset because they they won nine games. I, it's not a even lot. About- of, a lot of time. A lot of times, nine wins can get you in. They, this one year, it might. It just might not. Or they could lose out via tiebreaker. It's not even that for me. And they're but they're in it. It's stay in it until the very end. Yeah. Put yourself in a spot where you can succeed. And you know what? And you know what? If they're if they're at nine wins, that means Josh Allen is progressing well. Yes, but at the same time, the Bills have shown that they can get to nine wins before with this coaching regime without good quarterback play. So I want to see Allen help them get there. I mean, in this conference, especially with the emergence of Cleveland all of a sudden, 10 wins could get you out of the playoffs. Yeah. Because think about it. Out west, you've got the Chiefs and the Chargers, right? Probably your for sure playoff threats. In the south, you've got the Texans and the Colts. Yep. In the east, you've got the automatic evil empire. Mm-hmm. That's five spots right there. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even... The North is mention anything much about the North as a surefire team. There's going to be at least a guaranteed team from there, but that's six already. Yeah, Tennessee is wildly inconsistent and somehow always a nine-win threat. The Jaguars, who knows what the hell happens with them now? And then in the North, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns all can be a threat. Of some sort. I can't believe I have to include the Browns in this discussion now. All right. Wild. Wild times we live in. And then the Bills and the Jets are in conversation of, hey, maybe we can do the next step thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can be a threat for the playoffs here. Mm -hmm. So 10 wins could possibly be a bit of an unfortunate buzzkill. It might. But if they get to 10 and 6... I don't care if you made the playoffs or not. Yeah. You had a good season. Yeah. I'm going to be pissed that you didn't make the playoffs because it's going to hurt. There's going to be that one game you look at on the schedule and go, well, that's the one you could have had. But that's not going to be my first thought. It's going to be, damn, it was tough this year. Yeah. What the hell? And that's why I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad because it's like, what the hell? 10-6 and didn't get it done this year? Come on. Damn it. I want them to be in it until the last game. That's all that matters. It is all that matters. Yeah, yeah. You know what doesn't matter? And if and if they and if they end up finishing nine and seven or ten and six, that means that's exactly what happens. Yep, exactly. If they're in a playoff spot or they're in the they're hunt, in the even, race, yeah. In the hunt's not a terrible thing here, except I want to be at the top of it. Yeah, and threatening to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be floating in the middle or on the bottom of it. I want to be that top team on there that says, hey, look out for the Bills because they're, they're right there. Yeah. And then I also want to be the team that's on the other side of it, that's on the inside, that's trying to fend off the teams at the top of the end hunt. Mm-hmm. That'd be – it's like Matt said. Anything under eight wins is a massive disappointment. Yeah. Especially with the mentality that they've taken in free agency. All right, Frank. It's time. 
Wasted. Wasted. We wasted a year of Jack Eichel. We wasted the trade of Jeff Skinner. We wasted Sam Reinhardt. We wasted the first year of Rasmus Dahlin. We wasted all of our time. What the hell has become of this team? I'm no longer willing to believe that they won 10 games in a row. The way that they're playing, they can't win 10 freaking games, period. Seriously, if they end the season on a 10-game losing streak, that's pathetic. You better Gerard Gallant, Phil Housley, leave him at the arena, and go fly home and tell him to go get a cab to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. If they have a 10-game winning streak and a 10-game losing streak in the same season, that's stupid by all means. Very stupid. But in between that, you still have not won consecutive games since December 15th. This is pathetic. In the year 2019. In the calendar year of 2019, you have not won back-to-back games. Yeah. With Phil Housley, you've done it as a team. Winning back-to-back games or having winning streaks. They've had only eight winning streaks under Phil Housley. Eight in two years. Dan Bosman's final season, he had eight in that season. Get the hell out of here. I'm done. And if you didn't hear it this morning, whew, uh, Paul set off Howard and Jeremy. So right before we started recording... I walked into GR because I was trying. I didn't know where you were at the time. I had lost my keys. Yes. I couldn't get in the building. Yes. I walked into the WGR studio and Brayton Wilson is hanging out in there. Who is the producer for yes. Howard and Jeremy? He was right. He was writing a story, and he immediately told me about that. And now, I want to listen to it. Oh, well, so you haven't not, even heard it? I haven't heard. I've not heard it yet. It's on demand. I know it is on Brayton our website along with our. Podcast. I'm going to and I want to listen to it. It's on, our, it's on demand. Done. It's on demand on our po- as well as our podcast on WGR550.com. All shows and segments of them are in there. And Brayton was so nice to include the snippet of Paul setting off Howard and, in particular, Jeremy. I want it. I told Brayton to, I want you to take what Paul said and then include the vine of the hockey dad who punched and broke plexiglass at a youth hockey game. And then you hear another parent in the background go, way to go, Paul. And when that when Paul finishes the statement, that's when way to go, Paul comes in. And then you just hear the rage of Howard and Jeremy. And that becomes a new open for the Howard and Jeremy show. Well, we'll see what Brayton comes up with there. He will never he never really ceases to disappoint in that creative aspect. So I'm sure we have not heard the last of Paul. But, man, I heard it this morning, and uh, (laughs) this team is making everyone crazy and pissy with each other. Yeah. And I hate it. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, Frank, Hmm. and this is also going to be, spoiler alert, the topic for the nightcap. That's right. I'm on the nightcap tonight. Good for you. Is this the worst Sabre season of all time? Ooh, that's a good good question. Is this the worst Sabre season of all time? I'm going to say yes. Because we had great euphoria, and then garbage. There are any worse points paced than last year's 31st place team. 
Yeah. If Ottawa didn't exist, they had a legitimate threat of finishing last. Yeah. And if they play out the if string. If it's not number one, it's definitely number two. What would be the worst? I don't know. What that, could you consider? That's what I, I mean, the only thing I could consider is the tank for the infighting. Could you consider last year? Yes. Because they legitimately finished in 31st place for the first time ever in NHL history. And that team was just but god that team awful was, to watch. But that team was dead by mid-December. Right. It was already dead. We already knew it was happening. We started looking up Rasmus Dahlin. And Andrei Svechnikov. Well, and we loved Brady Kachuk when he was here for the outdoor game. Well, I think that that's where that's where the question comes in now is what would define the season being the worst, the worst season ever? ever? Yeah. How about this? Uh, Sitting game one to game 82 and thinking what – like the level of what the bleep – how far does it get? How miserable do you immediately get when you hear about the Sabres and people talking about the Sabres? Because this season, it's that. You notice how pleasant we were talking about the Bills. And right now I'm talking about the Sabres, and it's because of the fact that I need to get my rage out. I did not watch yesterday's game against Columbus. I opened Twitter for the end of the first period, and they're down 3 nothing. After they lost... Five to one the previous night. After they lost to Detroit and Ottawa. When Christ, do you remember what we were saying at like halfway point of the year where it's like, hey, if the Sabres are in striking distance of the playoffs, they've got Detroit and Ottawa twice. Guess what? You know, right? You can go to hell. I thought that that was a chance for the Sabres to really, you know, be able to, you know, hey, stay in striking distance in the playoff race. And if you can do that, you've got a real soft end to your schedule. They can't beat the softies. They cannot beat New Jersey. They cannot beat Ottawa. They cannot beat Detroit. All of a sudden, it's just, you cannot beat anyone, no matter how good or pathetic they are. This team is pathetic under Phil Housley. Alex Nylander played what? Seven minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Get him into Rochester now. Because why is he here? Why is he here? Why is he here? I thought I'd let Cody McCormick take his time off from the Buttes right now in the offseason and coach the Sabres for the rest of the season. (laughs) Something has to go now. Either get the Rochester players back to Rochester so that they actually know what competency looks like. Or... Get Housley out of here and just throw someone from Section 310 on the bench to see if he can do a better job. I'll do it. Throw Frank there. Frank can wear a suit and figure out lineups that aren't as infuriating as what Housley has put together. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, the reason I didn't play Nylander as much, his line mates weren't feeling it. You had him with Gergensons! What did you expect? Yeah, no, they got a... And at that point, you're down 3 nothing already in the first period. Guess what? This game's probably dead. Play your rookies! Yeah. Don't be stupid! Counting down the days until you're not here, Phil Housley. Which, who knows how long those days are. How many days there Three are? Three games left. Three. Yeah. 
And if he's here next year, I'm not watching until they fire him. And by not watching, I mean if I have to work the game, I will work the game and I will watch it because it's my job. But I will not willingly watch them if Housley's the head coach entering next season. You will have to force me to work work in order for me to actually lay eyes on the Buffalo freaking Sabres with Phil Housley. Because guess what? I ain't watching tomorrow. I've got to watch Thursday. And I've got to watch Saturday. The only reason is because I have to be there with the broadcast. That's it. I don't even want to know what the bloodbath is going to be tomorrow against Nashville. I'm guessing 9-1. I'm guessing 9-1. Let's get stupid here. Let's get dumb. Could they allow 10? Let's get dumb here. I don't think they get that bad. I think it's 9. Not quite enough to be a laughable game, but damn it, it's bad. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Do you even think that there will be 10,000 people there tomorrow? No. Well, you know what? Yes, because Nashville. Nashville fans will come. Will they drive up here? As far as they know right now, it's snowing. Who knows? Which is the most sensible thing involving cold with this team. Because the hockey team that plays on ice is just all sorts of stupid. I'm going ahead and saying it, and I'm putting it out there. This is the worst Sabre season of all time. The tank's got nothing on this. I think my Even only- with the petty infighting between fans and media... I think the that has, by the way, still lingered to this day. By the way, which makes yeah. this terrible season all the more stupid. The only argument I would have against this year being the worst one of all time is last year because the team was just unbearable to watch. Frank, what are so they throughout now? the whole? No, I'm saying throughout pretty much the whole year. I last get, year, I get that, but we had the option of, as a fan base, not watching them halfway through the season because we knew they were dead. Halfway through the season here, we're third in the Atlantic. Yeah. No, I'm saying that's my only art. That the would be only the only month, one I can the, argue. And guess what? The only month worse than this past March for the Sabres in their entire organization's history? A tank. An 0 for 12 January. Yeah, 2015. Last year's team did not have as miserable of a month. And that's saying something. Yeah. This team sucks. And again, you want to talk about watchability factor? The best game that they played in the entire month of March, everyone was drunk. (laughs) That is true. Made for a raucous crowd. Made for a raucous crowd, but by the way, oh yeah, that's right. They still had to win in the shootout too. One more week. That's right. Three games. Yep. One week. I cannot imagine how vile Sabres everyone. Twitter is going to be next year if Housley's the head coach. Oh, my God. Sabres Twitter is going to be vile up until the draft. Because it's been vile for by, eight years. 
Yeah. By season's end, up until the draft, everyone's going to be waiting for the news of Jeff Skinner resigning and the news of. Oh, Jesus. And the news of they Housley getting fired, and if it does, and if the Housley getting fired doesn't come, even if Housley gets fired and Skinner doesn't resign, for example, oh my God, the bomb that's going to go off, yeah, on the internet, we're on here, yeah. You thank you for reminding me that this somehow can get dumber. You know the saying, "It's always darkest before the dawn." Mm-hmm. Where are the Sabers? Is this even rock bottom? I think so. I can't guarantee it anymore. And that's how dumb, and that is why this is the worst Saber season of all time. One more week. Three more games. After Saturday, all the young guys will be back in Rochester. For the, Rochester's got four games left. Rochester's actually has six games left in the year. And then they can play with Coach Chris Taylor, which is a good thing. They'll have four games left in the year when they go back. And then the playoffs. Like, my God, what happened? They were a team that was aggressive and trying to know. come back and win games. You know, that's, you what know, happened? That's the thing. Every After every game. After each loss, the media goes into the locker room and pretty much is always asking the same questions. Why can't this team win? What happened? First of all, can I go on something real quick? Players aren't going to give you an answer because they don't have one. Look, there's a reporter that's asking the same damn question publicly to these players, and you're not going to get the answer. No, you're not. Are you guys quitting on Phil Housley? What what do you think Eichel's going to say? Yes? How freaking stupid of a question is that? Yeah. You cannot. You cannot. Don't even waste your breath asking that question. I get that it looks like it, and you're probably damn right that they are. But they won't say it publicly. Wasting your breath and wasting my earballs on listening to that question is laughable. Mm-hmm. What's he going to say with four games left at the time of the question? Yeah, we quit on him. We don't like this guy. To hell with him. Seriously, what kind of answer are you going to expect to get there? Have you guys quit on this team? Have you guys quit on Phil Housley? Have you quit on each other? Yeah, Jeff Skinner's short. I don't like him. <clears throat> what kind of answer are you expecting to get yeah, there? Yeah, I know. What answer? Tage is lanky as all hell. I didn't like him. I'm happy he's in Rochester. Jack Eichel's got a goofy haircut. He's not my captain. Stupid. Stupid question. Stupid question. All the way through. And I respect that, you know, journalists can do their jobs because I can't ask the tough questions. I know I'm not made of that, but I also know that I have the common sense to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm not going to ask them if they quit on the team because I know that the answer I'm going to get isn't going to be a good one. Yeah. And sometimes I guess it's an emotional answer and maybe that's what you're looking for. But at the same time, I'm hearing that, and it's just making my blood boil and laugh at the same time. Like, do you, like, the players know. Jeff Skinner said it. We're professional athletes. Yeah. 
guess what? Yes, you can emotionally be down and like not playing as hard for the rest of a season. I know, like you know, playing in a sport, that's something that happens. You can be demoralized and not skate your hardest. It's something that happens. They're human beings. Mm-hmm. Let's be real about something here. Oh, but, but are they going to oh. publicly admit that they've quit on someone? No. Never. Nope. <laughs> Name a sport where no. an athlete will say that. Never? Exactly. You know what? Just for the sake of it, Frank, I'm going to quit on you if you let in more than six goals tonight. Well, I'm quitting on you. And I'm well, gonna and I'm gonna tell well, I'm gonna tell what? anyone that asks me that I've quit on you. Well, you know what? <laughs> if the team in front of me lets that happen and hang, lets me hang, hang out to dry, I'm gonna quit on you. And are you gonna say that to anyone yes. who asks? All right, yes. good, good, good. We're being honest here. Yeah, at least we're being honest. <laughs> at least we're being emotional. If you quit on the team, dude, that's an off the record question. Hundred yeah. percent every time of the day. It is. It's not an on-the-record question. Yeah, the fact that we have to hear that in pre in post game is just dumb. By the way, I haven't I haven't said my piece on Nate Oates. Oh yeah, go ahead. That happened last week. Yeah, and I was not available for that. Yeah, Kyle and I uh, talked about it a little bit too. Yes, and we'll, we'll we'll you know what I'm gonna propose something here on the podcast. Yeah, occasional three man podcast. Oh yeah. All right, then. We're going to get more Kyle in here. If you liked him last week, we're going to get some more Kyle in these podcasts. So, my piece on NATO. It's not angry, but it is salty. Okay? I blame Nick Saban. How the hell do you blame Nick Saban? He's the football coach for Alabama. This is a basketball thing. Because the team is so good and so productive and so much of a money-making machine out in Alabama, they have money in their athletic department to go ahead and pay Nate gobs of money, gobs of money, gobs of money. He gets two cars in his agreement with the deal. He gets to fly back and forth to get his family moved down to Alabama. Like, there's so many perks in his contract that mad money is the only reason it works. And guess what happened? Mad money was caused because Nick Saban and Alabama's football team are so dominant that it doesn't matter, and they have the money that UB will not. Signed a five-year contract extension. That's adorable. Guess what Alabama did? They said, dude, we'll buy that out the whole time. We'll pay it. We'll pay for the rest of that contract. And we'll pay you this and this and this and this and this. It's the curse of a mid-major, but at the same time, it's just the look. Alabama, you can go to hell. Nick Saban, I hate you. And I hope that the Bulls find the next coach that can help them. Because the thing is, though. Everyone said the same thing about Bobby Hurley. They were pissed at Arizona State for throwing gobs of money at him. They were pissed at the fact that Hurley left. Mm-hmm. And then Nate Oates comes in and takes that team and stomps Bobby Hurley's team in the tournament. Whitewashes them. Right. They lost yeah. to the team that's in the Final Four. Yeah. Which, I hate you still, Texas Tech. You still... Blow fart bubbles. I don't have anything bad to say about them. It's just that they're so good defensively, it's frustrating to watch. I like points in my basketball games. I mean, at least we can say that our college team lost to a team that's in the Final Four. That's great. Why'd they have to be in our bracket? 
Because UB, I think, could have tangled with Michigan no problem. Michigan looked worse than UB, actually. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Texas Tech, for ruining it for everyone. Congrats on getting to the Final Four, but uh, I low-key hate you. As much as I low-key hate Alabama. But yeah, there's that. All right. It's not it's not really surprising. Yep. Though that's the thing. All right. Ready for the usual podcast ending? Yeah. I know I'm gonna sound annoying, but I don't care. We're playing the eleven day power play. First off, actually, before I mention more on the power play. Congratulations to Owen Parker. Yeah. Playing in the USHL for Des Moines, right? Yep. Des Moines. In Iowa. Bulldog had to drive him down there. I think he's back now. So he went, dropped him off there. There's a billet family that Owen's living with now, and Bulldogs come back. And the actual it's story just a, it's of it's just it a is next step. Pretty cool too. But yeah, the, the story that Bulldog wrote on the website at wgr550.com was pretty cool. It was emotional. There was a different like there was the viewpoint of I think crap. The, the my that, my boy has left the nest for the moment. I don't like this. Like yeah, you know when he includes that, it's like I feel that. Yeah, I don't have a kid, but I feel that. I get you, man. That hits like, me right where I live. It's it's really cool because and it's funny too because he said as well that he didn't know that Des Moines had put Owen on their protected list. Yeah. Like they didn't get until last until he we, got the call. Yeah, like junior junior leagues all like try to draft these same kids and see like cuz then they have the rights to them no yeah. matter so that, you know, if someone decides on a certain league that's where they are. Yeah, that's like where obviously they go. we know that Owen is property of the uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds yep. in the OHL. So that means you know obviously if Owen goes to Major Canadian Junior, it's going to be in the Sioux. Yep. And what we didn't know is that Des Moines <laughs> and, did the same thing. And, and apparently Bulldog did not know. Yeah, no, that's a th- that's nobody. What makes nobody it funny. knew. Yeah, that Des Moines did that for the USHL. Yeah. And, you know, obviously this is just the next step in something that has been pretty cool to see. You know, getting to know Bulldog and working here and, you know, playing with Owen in the 11-day power play last year. You know, and uh, Owen was with Bulldog for the uh, WGR Fantasy League draft. So, you know, it was fun to reconnect with him there. And I remember I asked him at the uh, at the fantasy draft, I said, hey, you know anything about next direction of anything? He's like, no, I'm just going to take it a day at a time kind of thing you know he's he's not really like he was casual in the approach but this is just the next step for him yeah and he's playing in the top junior league in the united states yep that's awesome so congratulations to you owen and to you as well bulldog and the entire parker family you've mm-hmm. got a you got a hell of a goalie there and pretty good kid too yeah so the 11 a power play with Owen on loan to Iowa, I'm certain that our boss might turn to you, Frank, as needing an extra leg for a goaltender. So I, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'm, a, I'm anticipating that you might get a call here. Mm-hmm. Team WGR, the 11-day power play, we're back. As well, Frank and I are on another team, and we play 12 hours after the GR shift. Yeah. Go to my page or go to Frank's page on Twitter our 11-day power plays are there for our fundraising pages at Derek Kramer 49 
at Frank R. Curry. And uh, we have we've got some work to do. Yeah. We'll, and we'll, put the li- we'll put the links up to when we put the podcast we'll up. We'll put the well. links back up on the podcast as well. So, absolutely. It's for, I mean, the hell of a cause. It's a hell of a cause. And, you know, it's for research for cancer at Roswell Park, for Camp Good Days, for Make a Wish Foundation. And I feel like those are the ones that don't get enough love are the other two programs there. Because, I mean, like, people know Roswell Park, you know, being. The Cancer Institute. Camp Good Days, Make-A-Wish Foundation, they they try to help make life easier a little bit. Just like, just let you forget about the misery of day-to-day life. And that's probably one of the biggest things that you can ever do. Is just try to help someone get in through day-to-day life. Make them forget about it for a little bit. Because, yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be it's going to be there when you get back, but damn it, there's experiences that you'll always cherish. So definitely, definitely hit up the pages and check it out for the 11 day power play. All right, Frank, I think we're done here. I did my screaming. Everyone's doing their screaming. Mm -hmm. It's just a screaming kind of team. And that's why it's the worst team ever. I'm on the nightcap tonight with Kyle. So be ready to check that out, 7 to 9, after Shope and Bulldog. And then I get to go drive down to Harper Center to meet you weirdos and try to play this thing called hockey. Nobody cares about that last part, but it's just that, you know, that's what I, that's the I mean, only thing that I know Frank is doing later. It, it, it is a fact. It is a fact. We'll be bumbling on the ice. And oh, we, will admit, we will admit to reporters that we've quit on the team. <laughs> Or we won't. Maybe we won't, Frank. Maybe we'll give them the uh, the runaround because it's April Fool's Day. Yay. I hate April Fool's Day. It's stupid. You can make pranks whenever you want to. Yeah. Don't you don't need, need a, a day. day for pranks, dude. Prank Frank all the time. Not all the time, but I prank him. I prank Sometimes. Derek. Like, Sometimes. It's, it's something that happens. Like you, you don't need it. To be on a certain day. It doesn't need to be on a certain day. You can prank someone at any time you want. Prank them. So there you go. Thanks for listening. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And our last message is prank your friends whenever you want to. You don't need a date to tell you what to do with your life. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.